0: for us. God, we thank you that you are stronger, Lord God. I just, I just believe this morning that that, would, that that message is for some people here in particular this morning, Lord God. Lord, maybe there's a, a health condition, maybe there's something going on. Lord, you are stronger than that situation. God, I just, I just pray that you'd help us to, to receive that by faith, that we would just, just receive that and, and know that you are stronger than the situation that we come up against, Lord God. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, we have to come together to to listen to your word, Lord, to, to meet with one another, to encourage one another, Lord God. Lord Jesus, we just ask you to speak by your Spirit this morning to every one of our hearts, every situation, every person, every life represented in this room, Lord God, that you would help us to hear what you are saying, that Lord, you'd help us to be carriers of the message of good news, that you are the God who cares for us. Lord, wherever we would go, that we would tell people the truth about who you are, about all that you've done for us, Lord, that you are stronger. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. The God, God cares for you. That's what we've been talking about the last four weeks. This is week five of this series on the God who cares for us. And He does. I hope it's been going through your head this week, through the last four weeks, that God cares about you. I went on a camp this week, and I wonder if anyone's ever been on a camp. Anyone ever been on a camp? And you get to see the best of people on camps, and you get to see the worst of people on camps. I mean, just physically, you see the people in the morning before they've brushed their hair and before they've woken up. And I just always find it hilarious, the way you discover about one another when you go on camp together. Um, it's fascinating, to say the least. And you, you do, you discover the best and the worst about each other. These, these kids I was on camp with, they were, they were pretty good kids, so it was good, but um, you, you find out the, 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 the courage people have on camps. When you, you go on camps and you do big swings and you do things that are slightly scarier than people would normally do, and, and, and I enjoy that. I love that, anyway. um, And you you get to see the best of people in that way, but you also see that tired side of people. You also see that impatient side of people, that slightly grumpy in the morning, I don't want to be here side of people. You get to see the slightly critical and harsh and the sinful side of humanity. And some of you are... Maybe, I don't know, is this too close to home? I don't know. Maybe maybe it's at home, you see the best and worst of each each other. But I'm so aware that for all of us, we have an old sinful self and we have a a new man. We are are new creations in Christ. The moment we put our faith in Jesus, we are created anew, that the old is gone, the new has come. But the old likes to hang around a lot. Like the old has no friends it seems because he always wants to be with me. Do you have that problem? I don't know. Uh, We have an old nature that is, it's been defeated, but it likes to pop its head up from time to time. Or maybe more often than not, we struggle to, to fight that old man. But I want to say this morning that we have a God who cares for us, and we have been rescued from sin. We are no longer slaves to that old self. We have been justified by faith. It says, by faith alone we are saved. Faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for your sin, for my sin. He cares for you. He loves you. And he has dealt with sin for all humanity throughout history. And all you have to do is turn to him with faith and believe in Jesus, what he's done for you upon the cross, and you will be saved. And they all said, woohoo! (laughs) <laughs> it's just as if we'd never sinned. We are, we are holy and blameless before God. In God's eyes, we are, we are righteous. And yet we know that in the human sense, we, we are so unworthy of that. But not only that, God justifies us by faith, but God has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to be His witnesses to, to remind us of the things that God has told us through His Word, to remind us of the words of Jesus, to sanctify us. We're justified by faith, but then God takes us on a journey of sanctification. Sanctification is a process of becoming more like Christ. Hands up if you knew the day you gave your life to Jesus, you didn't physically become perfect. Did anyone recognize that? I, I recognize that fairly quickly. Um, I wish it happened. I wish it was like this, it's miraculous in itself, but I wish there was a total transformation that the old sinful Andrew was totally gone and I was just always like Jesus. I wish I could say it's true, but it's not. We're on a journey of sanctification It's it's a continual journey until the day we reach heaven. Jesus is sanctifying us. He's refining us. He's continuing the good work He's begun in us. Because He loves you. Because He loves you. Because He wants you to have life and life in all its fullness. Because he, He wants you to be a witness to others around you. You know, I think every one of us it, we would say, you know, if we had a choice, it's like we can be the the cunning, cruel, critical, sinful old self, or we can be the the new Christ-like, loving, forgiving, generous, gracious person. I'm pretty sure we'd all choose to be the the gracious, loving person because it's it it's I enjoy being this person more. I I don't like being critical and and bitter and twisted. There's no life in that. God wants us to become that Christ-like, loving, joyful person that's full of the, the, the Holy Spirit, that's full of the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom, that we are set free as we follow Christ and become like Christ. It brings life. It's not that we, we, we're forgiven because we become more like Christ. No, we, we're forgiven, we're justified by faith, but we go on a journey of becoming more like Christ. God is the God who cares for us. He's our loving Father. He's our our Good Shepherd. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's not trying to change you because you're no good. He loves you, and He wants to do a work in your life. He loves your neighbour He loves your neighbour. He loves them and He wants to transform their life. He wants them to know about His love, His care for them, that they too might be transformed. He loves your enemies, if you have any enemies. God loves them. He wants you to love them. He cares for them and He wants to do an amazing work in their lives. I'm so inspired when I hear about people who are persecuted because of their faith, and they say, you know, don't pray for the persecution to stop. Pray that our persecutors might respond to the gospel. Pray that we can just preach it all the clearer to those who persecute us. God, help us to have that same attitude. I was listening to a podcast through the week, and I was just amazed. You know how you're thinking about something, then God just puts something on your lap that's just speaking the exact same thing again? Now, this, this series I, I outlined back in November, December, but God just lined up this message um, I listened to, and it was talking about God not wanting us to be babies. And he's talking about, you know, babies are cute. Babies are fun. Uh, This morning, Michael was a bit miserable. He's, He's had a bit of a temperature, and he's just looking at me. He's going, like He's got this really good chatter going on. And I'm going, I have no clue what you're saying, buddy. But I'm, I'm hearing you. <laughs> it's no good, is it? And babies are cute. But you know, if your six-year-old came to you and went, Daddy, you go, hey, get a grip. <laughs> it's like, use words. You're not a baby anymore. Two-year-olds are cute. Even their tantrums can be almost cute Sometimes. And you see what babies and two-year-olds do, and you go, oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that cute? It's like, oh, it's funny. Oh, good morning. <laughs> and uh, they're cute. But if a, if a 22-year-old behaves like a two-year-old, that's not cute. That's sad. <laughs> when a 42-year-old, a, a 62, an 82-year-old behaves like a two-year-old, or we, we whine, we groan, we want everything done for us, that's, that's no longer cute. It's not even funny. It's actually sad. And I mean, God help us when we're having those moments, but God wants to do a work in us. God wants to grow us. He doesn't want us to stay babies, but he desires that we grow, that we be sanctified, that we don't just stay justified and... Well, we just want to be justified and that's it. God wants to grow us. He wants to mould us. He wants to shape us. He wants to use us for His glory. We may feel like, how could God ever use me? But you know what the amazing thing is? God isn't finished just by justifying you. He's going to sanctify you as you continue to follow Christ, as you continue to listen to God's Word, as you continue to obey Christ and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. God wants to grow us, but let me just read this in Romans chapter 5 first. It says, When we were utterly helpless, there was no hope. There was no way. We could not do a thing. We were utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. That's not my son, is it? No, thank you, Lord. For since... I help that baby, whoever it is, Lord God. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. For since our friendship with God was restored... By the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in the wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. We were enemies to God. We we lived as our trying to be our own God. We lived for ourselves, but repentance is about changing directions it's about turning around repentance is about turning to christ and saying god i acknowledge that you are the true and living god i'm i'm following you you are my king we're no longer his enemies now we are his friends through jesus christ it's not just about being justified it's changing our relationship we're no longer enemies with god we now live life in relationship with god and we become like those we spend time with. We're saved by faith. We're justified by faith. But God wants to continue to grow us, to shape us and mould us for our good and for the good of those around us. He has made a way for us to be saved and that is through Jesus Christ. I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 5 and I want us to listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. He's talking about Jesus being our great high priest and explaining what it means that Jesus is our high priest. And he talk, goes on to talk about how he's a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And, but then he has his part in the middle in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. He says, There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to be listening. Now, remember, this is what he's saying to the Hebrews, he's writing to the Hebrews. I'm not saying this to you in particular, but I hope you're listening. (laughs) But it is difficult to explain since since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone lives... For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. I just want to pause there for a second and and point out, he says, let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. We never graduate from Christ. We never graduate from the gospel. We never go on to other things than Jesus. As we open the Bible, as we grow in maturity, we, we never go past Jesus. We just discover how everything points to Jesus. We don't grow past Jesus. We, we learn that everything points to him and we, we get a richer, fuller, deeper picture of what God has done for us through Christ. We never move on. We never graduate. We could preach the gospel every week and we can grow in our understanding and our, and our, and our depth of understanding of who God is. When he says, not going over the fundamental things of repenting from evil deeds and faith, it's not that we change, we get over those things and move on to something else. But he says, let's, let's never forget the basics that these are the things that our faith depends on. And he goes on, you don't need further instruction about baptisms. He says, repent, believe and be baptized. That's it. The laying on of hands, pray for each other, heal the sick, believe that God is going to move. The resurrection of the dead, We're all going to be raised with Christ. We are seated with Him in the heavenly realms. An eternal judgment. There is a judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. Ooh. There's a warning. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the falling rains and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Ooh. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. I like that line. But let's check our heart. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you have shown your love to Him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you'll keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you'll not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you'll follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Thank you, Lord. Let's not be like babies Let's not be like babies that are just waiting to be fed all the time. Are we feeding ourselves God's Word? Are we feeding ourselves on God's Word? Are we meditating on His Word? Are we studying God's Word? Are we opening it and saying, God, teach me the truth. Help me to have a deeper understanding of what you've done for me. Let's not be like babies. Babies wait for milk, but... Mature people, and some of you who are parents are saying, Amen, they learn to feed themselves when your children mature. Thank you, Lord. I'm so excited Sally makes me coffee now. She is mature in some ways. <laughs> Let's not be like babies. Let's serve others and not wait to be served. There are some who have heard the truth about God have turned away that should grieve our heart. Some that have heard the truth about God, they've responded to the gospel, they've they've tasted and seen what God is like, and yet, it's like they've forgotten. They've become spiritually dull and indifferent, we just read. And it says there there is no way to turn them back once they've heard the good news and turned away from it. I think God is able to to renew that spark within them, and and he is able to work. But he says that the field that bears, bears thorns and thistles is burned. I think for us in our life, we need to say, what is the fruit of our life? What is the fruit of our life? Do we have thorns and thistles coming up? Are we, are we dealing with those thorns and those thistles? Are we dealing with that anger? Are we dealing with that selfishness, that greed, that pride? Because if we don't deal with one thistle, I don't know a lot about gardening, but I know thistles have, have flowers and the flowers become seeds and the seeds scatter quickly. How's our field looking right now? He says you, you of course are caring, you have been loving, you are continuing in love, you're full of faith and endurance. I want to be that guy. I want to be someone who is caring and loving, full of faith and endurance, that is not allowing the thistles and the weeds to, to crowd out the good crop, but that God would work in my heart day by day by day, that I would be fed by God's Word, that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit day by day, that we would not turn away for one day, but we would continue to listen to God's promptings in our life and that we would grow to maturity, that we could be someone who feeds others and helps them come to know Christ. As I said last week, you can be a tag changer. The last few weeks, we've talked about how God has not finished in our lives he continues to paint in our lives. This is where it gets fun. God has not finished in your life. In our lives, we mess up. We, we do things and we think, wow, I've just made a big blotch in my life. How can God work around this, this mess I've made with my life? Hang on, I've got to make a mess here now. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm currently painting right now. And we do things, and we think God's trying to paint a. I oh know no, we, we do. God's trying to paint a beautiful wave or something. That's, that's blue. It looks a bit black. God's trying to paint a beautiful picture in our life, and then we go and get the orange paint out and go, "Whoops, sorry, God." And we feel like we we mucking up the picture God is trying to paint. We 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 do things. We get angry. We we go on camps, and people see our our less gracious side. We we do things, and we. We think, God, how could you ever use me? I've messed it up, God. I've got to use more paint. And it goes brown. And no one likes brown, it seems. I do, actually. But anyway. I'm going to do some more painting. And we we do things in our lives. Maybe that's how we come to Christ. We come to Christ and we feel like a mess. We feel like there's no way that God would ever use us in our life. Maybe, just maybe God can save me. Maybe God can forgive me. But how could God ever use a sinful person like me? How could God turn a mess like this into anything for His glory? How could God use this to tell anyone about Christ? How could God use me? How could God even love me any more than just forgive me. But God is not finished with you yet. God loves you. He is the God who cares for you. He wants to feed you. He will feed a baby. He will provide nourishment. But He wants you to grow. He wants you to be sanctified, to continually grow and grow and grow to become more like Christ. Let me read 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says... Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Saviour of all people, and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Remind the people at your life group the truth of God's Word. Remind each other as you meet up down the street of the truth of God's Word, not just the circumstances you're in. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're old. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're this or that or you used to be this. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and in your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the Scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. In other words, use your gifts. Use the things that God has enabled you to do for the glory of God. Give yourself to these things. Do these things. Don't neglect these things. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation. For the sake of your own salvation and the salvation Of those who hear you. It's so important that we keep a watch on our heart and our teaching and our life. We can drift so easily unless we have our roots in the Word of God. We can drift so, so quickly. For the sake of our own salvation, he says, stay true to what is right for your own salvation and for the salvation of those who hear you. I was at a youth leaders training day years ago and Reggie Dabbs was speaking to us. And Reggie Dabbs is a guy who's speaking to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of young people and shared the gospel with people. And in that youth leaders training day, he said, I cannot fall away from God. I cannot turn away from God. And at first I'm like, what do you mean you cannot? And he said, I, I cannot fall away from God because I know that I have preached this gospel to so many young people. And if I now fall away, if I allow myself to entertain temptation, if I allow myself to, to, to let thorns and thistles grow up in my life, how many lives is that going to affect? How many people are going to reject the gospel because of my falling away? I cannot allow myself to fall away. And I thought, wow, yeah. And I wonder how many people would fall away from God if, if we push the truth away or, or, or turn away from God. It's for the sake of our own salvation that we continue after Christ. You know, repentance from sin it isn't like we're, we're traveling on in life, we see what Jesus did and go, oh wow, thank you Jesus, and then just keep going. Repentance and truly putting our faith in Jesus is about walking this journey of life. We, we discover who Christ is and we say, I'm turning away from my old life and I'm going after you Jesus. Salvation is not a moment as salvation is a change of life. I can't remember what I was going to say next now. <laughs> I wonder how many people have heard someone say that they don't believe in God because this person did this to me. You know, God has chosen to use people to tell the message to other people. It's not because of anything God's done that people turn away from God. It's because of what people do to one another. God's Word says they will know us by our love for one another. God, help us to be people who show that love to one another. I've gone all over the place right now. Thank you Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Be an example. Use your gifts for your sake and to save some. Stay true to the faith. And then he says, "Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself in godliness." I wonder is there anyone here that's ever trained for anything? You've trained for a fun run, you've trained for a marathon, you've trained for swimming sports, you've trained for trying to lose some weight. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up now, but I think most of us have trained for something, and training for anything is hard work. I trained trying to go to the Olympics, and it was hard work. I trained to get fitter, and it was hard work. A couple of years ago, I thought, you know what, I'm not a bike racer anymore, I I race occasionally, but I, I... I actually need to do some activity or I'm going to get fat because I'm still eating as much as I used to. And I went for a run one day and I I, I ran across the Oval. If you know where we live, that's like 100 metres. And then I ran around the Oval once and I ran home and I thought, oh my goodness, I am not as fit as I used to be. Training is hard work. It can be painful at times. If you're training physically, you, you might get a coach, you might get a trainer. Someone that can help you know the way forward to, to take the steps that are going to be helpful to getting you to the, to the destination you want to go to. You, you go to your trainers that hopefully will ask you, what do you want to do? How do you want to grow? How do you want to get better? And then they'll create a plan to get you to that point. You, you, maybe you get a, a running buddy and you get someone to keep yourself accountable with and you say, six o'clock, we're going to meet at the gardens and we're going to do three laps. And you get down there and your running buddy's not there, you get on the phone and you're like, where are you? (laughs) Because you're keeping each other accountable. And the day you sleep in, you start getting all these missed calls because they're helping you stay fit, get fit. Training is hard work. It means setting the alarm sometimes a little bit earlier. God help me, please. Training means being careful about what you eat. Because how many people know that getting fit isn't just about exercise? What you eat makes a big difference. It means going to bed on time. God help me again, please. You know, physical training is of some value, as he says. Physical training is hard work. You know, spiritual training is of so much more value. But it is still hard work at times. You know, we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. We are saved by grace. But Paul says in so many different places, I strain, I struggle, I strive to become like Christ intended me to be. I train my body as an athlete, he says in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, I train my body. I punish it, teaching it to do what it should so that I might receive the crown so that I might save some. He said, I I punish my body, I train my body to do what it should. Spiritual training is not easy. It requires effort. It requires discipline. It's gone really quiet. (laughs) It's not that our, our work and our discipline gets us to be saved. We're saved by faith. But as we grow in Christ, as we want to mature in Christ, it takes effort. Sometimes I think our, our effort in life, me included, is a little bit like, you know, those clowns at the show. You go to the show, you put the balls in the mouth of the clown, and the clown kind of goes, oh, and then it wobbles a bit so you can't get in the right hole and win the prize. Well, that's how I felt. And the, the the ball just sort of goes wherever the clown feels at the time. You know those clowns? Anyone, anyone totally lost? No, that's good. And sometimes our effort, I think we just do it like that. It's kind of like we put the ball in, we put the energy in, we just do life and our energy goes into whatever we feel like that day. But how disciplined are we? How how important is this to us? Those around us that God knows, He loves, He cares, His heart bleeds for, He did bleed for. How important is this to us? Paul says, "I, I do all this that God might save some. I become all things to all people that God might save some. God is not finished with us yet. He is not finished with you yet, and maybe you felt like you cannot be what you should be for God. But it doesn't matter how big a mess your life feels like or how many times you feel like you've mucked up what God wants to do in your life. God wants to keep painting. He's not finished with you yet. He's going to paint in your life. And I hope this works. (laughs) God's going to paint in your life. And if you trust Him, if you listen to Him, if you allow Him to work, if you allow Him to keep painting, no matter how many times you mess up, if you come back to Him, His grace is revealed through our sinfulness, through our brokenness. As we continue to point to Him, as we continue to come to Him, as we continue to turn to Him and ask Him to work in our life, despite our weaknesses, despite our our sin, despite the, the things we go through, his grace is revealed as we continue to come back to Him, as we continue to trust Him. His grace is, is amplified through our life. He wants to use your life no matter how many times you feel like you've, you've, you've stuffed it up. You feel like, I, I could never be a, a teacher of God's Word again. I could never help people know Jesus when I've gone so far from the truth. But you know what, as you allow God to move in your heart, as you allow God to speak to you by His Word, by His Spirit, that you trust Him and you step out again, His grace is just revealed all the more. And He wants to be glorified through your life. His love and His grace will show the world how much He loves and cares for sinners like you and me. I just want to read one last verse in Romans chapter 12. God is not finished with you yet. It doesn't matter how young, how old, how many times you messed it up. Romans chapter 11, sorry, verse 36 says, For everything comes from Him. You are from Him. Everything exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. He is sanctifying you. It's painful at times. You mightn't see it at times, but He is sanctifying you that you might bring glory to the Father. And He goes on in chapter 12, He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God wants your life to be for his glory. I want to ask, how are you doing today? Which way is things going in your life? Are you growing in Christ? Are you growing in your maturity, your understanding, your your knowledge of God's Word? Uh, Is your heart growing colder? Is your love for God just grown a little bit dimmer? Are there weeds and thistles growing up in your life that you've allowed just to sit there? I believe God wants to deal with those things in our heart. How's your training program going? Training doesn't happen by accident. Training doesn't happen if you don't plan it, if you don't make time for it. How's your training going in your training to become more godly? I want to encourage you if, you, if you read the Bible, fantastic. But let's study God's Word. We're encouraged so many times to meditate on God's Word day and night. We're encouraged to study His Word, not just to read it and go, cool, I've done my 5, 10, 15 minutes and walk away. But to study God's Word and say, God, I'm wrestling with this issue. Help me to understand what do you really say about whatever that issue is in your life right now? To study God's word, get a, get a concordance. You know, our kids out in kids' church this morning are learning how to use concordances so they can look up issues and they can grow mature in their faith and be missionaries and ministers in our schools. But how good are we at, at studying God's word? Maybe you need some teaching, maybe you need some training, maybe you want to write it on your care card, maybe you want to sign up for Bible college. We need to be growing in godliness. How's you, your prayer life going? Do you pray? If you, if you struggle with prayer, I want to encourage you, just set aside a time and say, at that time, every day, I'm going to pray. When you get in the shower, I'm just going to pray. When I get in the shower, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray for that 20 minutes you're in the shower. Because suddenly you'll just want to stay there forever. I want to say, if you struggle to pray, actually, even if you do not struggle to pray, if, if you're alive I want to encourage you to come along to our 24 hours of prayer that is in your newsletter. I cannot remember the date right now, but I think it's the 14th of April. I'm pretty sure. We're going to have 24 hours of prayer. And if you're alive in that 24 hours of prayer, whether you can come and join us here at CFC or not, I want to encourage you to commit an hour, one hour, to pray. To to pray and say, God... Maybe you say, God, I'm not good at this. What do I do? (laughs) Maybe you're... But I encourage you to start somewhere to train yourself in godliness. And I believe as you come and as you pray, whatever time that is, wherever you are that day, as you do it this week, as you begin to pray, God will stir you to pray. It's not that He wants to beat you up and say, you've got to get better. He wants to lead us into life and turn what was a mess into something that shows his glory and his grace? Are you committed to to fellowship with one another? God commands that his people join together, that they meet together and encourage one another. You may not feel like you need to go to church because you know Jesus already, but I wonder who else needs to know about Jesus through you. And every one of us will drift without that constant connection with other believers. If there's things that are happening in your life that stop you going, find a way to have fellowship with one another. Meet with with people and encourage each other in the Word. Listen to a podcast. Are you committed to it? Are you part of a group of people that discuss how you're traveling with God? That's what life groups are all about. Doing life together, sharing and asking people to pray and speak into your life. And I want to encourage you, if you're not part of a life group, to seriously consider finding a group that you can be a part of. We've got flyers on the back table. There's groups nearly every day of the week. And if you can't find a group that works for you, let's start one. God is not finished with us yet. Maybe you need a training buddy. You know, sometimes you start something with a training buddy, and then you both kind of go, let's just both sleep in. (laughs) But I want to say, find a training buddy, and then keep asking them, are we doing it this week? Are we doing it this week? Are we going to read God's Word together this week? Are we going to pray together this week? Can we pray together this week? Keep asking. Even if they sort of get a little bit like, oh, you're asking me again. Pray that God will change their heart. Pray that God will stir them. If they really won't do it, find another training buddy. (laughs) And keep praying for them (laughs) but we need one another to spur each other on if we read through the new testament we see the disciples met together in homes every day they were meeting together somewhere praying studying god's word together we need fellowship with one another not once a week day by day we need encouragement let's be people that see god's care for us and then care for one another i asked the band to come I just want to say, imagine for a moment. You want to close your eyes maybe and just imagine if every follower of Christ, every person who claims to be a Christian, committed themselves to training themselves in godliness. That they committed to make every step a step with purpose. Allowing God to care for them day by day, coming back to the cross and saying, thank you, Jesus, for your love, your mercy, your grace, and your care for me. Help me, God, to be a person who shows your love, your care, your grace to this world around me. I think the world could not ignore the resounding voice speaking out of God's amazing love and grace. God, help us to be a church that speaks so loudly. The love, the grace, the mercy, the goodness, the care of our loving Father in heaven. Can we stand? Lord well, God, I pray today that every one of us, well, we can't give away what we don't have ourselves. And God, I pray today that every one of us, that we would know your love and your care for us. We can't be sanctified. We can't grow to become more like you until we first come to you and say, thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness for my sin. We can't go and preach to others before we go and check our own heart's condition and allow you to work in our heart. But God, I thank you that you stand at the door and you knock and you knock and you just wait for us to open that door. You want to come in. You want to do something beautiful with that which was broken and a mess. God, I pray today for anyone here that they are just struggling, that life is just weighing down upon them, Lord. Maybe it's just today. Maybe it's just been this week. Maybe it's been years and years and years. God, I pray that they, right now, in this moment, could just sense your love for them. That God, you don't love them any less. That God, you would do some healing work in our hearts this morning. That God, we would know that you are the God who cares for us. Jesus, you bled and you died on the cross for our sin, but then you rose again victorious. That we too can have the victory. We can have new life and that we can grow from glory to glory to be your hands and feet on this earth for your glory. We pray that you would use us in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if, if that's your heart's cry, that you want to give your life, you want to truly turn from living for yourself and live for God's glory, I'd love to pray with you this morning. If you've got any other thing you'd love to pray for this morning, please feel free to come forward as we sing this song now.